1: And welcome back to the Selling from the Heart podcast, your co-host, Daryl Amy, here today with Larry Levine. What's going on, Larry? It's actually nice to be home. Yeah. I've been on the the road so long, I forgot what my bed feels like. (laughs) That's good. I think right before the show, our guest told us that she forgot what her dog, or her dog forgot who she was. So, uh, I mean, it is good. Summer (laughs) is here. Um, And welcome to the Selling from the Heart podcast, by the way. If you're new, you've joined a growing community of sales professionals that are dedicated to being genuine, being authentic, doing the hard work, delivering real value. We call it selling from the heart. And uh, Larry, it is, uh, it's is—it's a good time right now. The this, this summer is here. And I saw um, the, uh, the initial announcement on my LinkedIn today that, that you're heading out to a uh, relational selling conference later this summer.
0: Oh, yeah. I'll I'll actually be where Carol came from not too long ago. So I'll be in Salt Lake City in August speaking with Cody Bateman and the
1: crew over at the Send Out Cards. Man, that is that's going to be so fun. I cannot wait for that conference. And I love, you know, we talk about our friends that send out cards every week on the podcast now because it has been such a game changer for us to be able to reach out, not just digitally, but also tangibly to people and uh, and develop relationships. And that's that's really what it's all about and uh, i think that actually kind of kind of segues into our topic today we've got a fantastic guest and and we want to talk about a topic that i think is going to be very very uh, not only interesting but practical for everybody on the uh on the podcast listening in today so larry why don't you welcome our guest and let's let's get started i will so um
0: I'm I'm not going to hold it against Carol Mahoney that she lives on the other coast and all the sports teams that Carol and her husband root for absolutely destroy all my LA sports teams. So I'm not going to hold that against Carol, but I love Carol and what she stands for. (laughs) I actually met Carol, gosh, a couple of years ago. I want to say, yeah, Um, just, just through a, just through a common connection on LinkedIn and we struck up a really great conversation. And one thing led to another. I met Carol face to face at Outbound a couple years ago. Uh, We have a lot of, we actually have quite a number of mutual friends, but I love Carol Mahoney because she's just so down to earth and she shares the message and she's a kindred spirit of selling from the heart. So, welcome, Carol.
2: Thank you, Larry and Daryl. And and to be fair, Larry, my teams don't just obliterate yours. They pretty
0: much obliterate them all. So oh.
1: <laughs> it's
2: okay. You're in okay. good company. All
0: right, okay. Well, so, just, good. so just everybody, just to get out on the <laughs> table, I'm on the left coast. She's on the right coast. So all my LA sports teams just get obliviated by all these Boston teams, so I'll leave it at that.
1: It's all good. It's all good, Larry. Everything comes in. Yeah, full confession, I am Canadian and so my apologies to the Celtics uh, on our way to uh, destroy the Warriors. So, uh, but hey, it's great to be here and you know the question that we ask all of our, our podcast guests and I really can't wait to hear what you have to say on the topic of what does it mean to you when you hear the word self from the heart?
2: Uh, well, and this is one of the things that Larry and I talked about, even when we first met. And I think it was the thing that we kind of connected over was, for me, when you I hear the phrase "selling from the heart," the first thing that comes to mind is making it not about you, not about your quota, not about your product, not about what you want out of a conversation, but really making it all about the person who you're trying to help solve a problem for. Yeah. It's the motto that I have. Like I made the T-shirts. It's something I repeat to all of my clients. And I think it's also the thing that is going to help us propel a change in perception of sales, because most people look at sales as the cheesy used car salesman all about me. Aren't I wonderful? And they talk over them and there's fast talking tactics. And I believe selling from the heart is the exact opposite of that. It's about making it all about the other person and putting aside or even at least recognizing first your own biases and trying to put aside what you want, which is human nature, and focus on the other person.
0: Yeah, and I think, you know, and and I know we're going to touch on it on the podcast, but it's, it's really interesting because a lot of times when I work with sales teams, Carol, I'll always ask them the same thing. It's always within the, you know, after we share a couple stories and all that. It, I always love asking the same question to sales teams, right? If you're, if you're a listener of selling from the heart podcast, you know that the first question that we always ask is what's it mean to sell from the heart? So I'm going to ask you guys, what's it mean to sell from the heart? And it's really interesting because, you know, inevitably they're going to say the same things that you just said, and then they're going to add some, but then I always ask them and I, and it's just me being me. I said, okay, that being said, let's set that aside. So what prevents us from selling from the heart? And it's really interesting. So what do you think prevents people from selling from the heart? Hmm.
2: Well, when we were talking about this a little bit before. I think it's fear. It's fear of how we're going to be perceived. It's fear of um, missing out on something. It's fear of failure. It's fear of what if I ask that question and they get upset? It's fear of what if I uh, put this price out and they say no. I think that the thing that stops us from being authentic, our best selves, and from selling from the heart is basically fear.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting because I always tell people, I said, you know, one quick way to overcome that is you got to eat vulnerability for breakfast. Yeah.
2: You know And that's hard.
1: It is massively then, hard to do it over and over and over again in any given day, right? I mean that's um that is that's a really tough thing. And and I've been I've been devouring this book. If you've been following me on LinkedIn, you know, I've been devouring Judith Glasser's book called Conversational Intelligence. And what it's, it's fascinating. Just if you're in, you know, well, all of you are in sales, listening to the podcast, we're all in sales, read this book, at least the first part of it, because I, what I'm learning about this is we literally have a physiological reaction to fear that puts us in a bad place right away. Mm -hmm. And and, um, you know, it really it literally blocks us um, from doing the things and and thinking about things and and responding in the way maybe even that we're trained when we walk into a situation and there's fear. And I think um, perception is reality, right? I mean, everyone says perception is reality. Well, the reality is um, not only are sales reps consumed with with fear a lot of times, which I think is a roadblock to selling from the heart. buyers, We got the buyer's perception as well. And uh, I know, Carol, that you've done a lot of work and research and thinking in the area of what buyers think about sales reps and how they perceive them. Uh, I'm curious, uh, softball question, what did you find? (laughs) Do they like us? (laughs) Oh, come on, dude. (laughs) Please like me. Please like me. (laughs) Oh,
2: my gosh. I I mean, the obvious answer is hell no. But... (laughs) Um, no, they don't like us. Oh, and now it, I'm
1: feeling fear.
2: Okay. <laughs> we the sales is the most distrusted profession. Like we rank higher than politician as far as the distrust scale goes.
0: That's, and brutal. That's
2: it's so brutal. It's like, and, and you even think about it, like, like the kind of insults that people banter around. Like I was actually on a coaching call earlier today and uh, my client said to me, he's like, I said something. He goes, Oh, you just sounded like a used car salesman. I'm like, what are you trying to make me angry or something? And, it was just one of those, like he was joking around kind of comments that I was joking around as well. But that's like an insult to people. Oh, you sound like a salesperson. That's like telling them they're like a con artist or, mm. you know, something along those lines. Like I, I say this in the keynote that I give sometimes, like how many of people, when you were a little kid and you were asked what you wanted to be when you grew up said, I want to be a salesperson. Like right. no one ever. Yeah,
0: exactly. There's
2: maybe like in an audience of hundreds of people, there's maybe, there's always that one person that raises their hand. Cause there's gotta be one. But no one wants to become a salesperson when they grow up. Most of us have fallen into it and just never got out. Or some ways like me, I grew up hating sales. Like that's why I went into marketing. I was going to make salespeople obsolete because everybody hated them. And the truth of the matter is, though, is that we do need salespeople because salespeople are the connections between problems and solutions. We're problem solvers. Yeah. if we can change the perception of sales and we can align it to how we coach and train and hire salespeople, we can change that perception so that kids will someday say, I want to be the salesperson that solves the world's problems, because that's how we're going to make the world a better place is when we change the perception, we change the mindset, we change the way that we develop the expectations that we have of salespeople. And as a result, maybe we can actually get the profession to the place where people do actually trust them.
0: So, so it was, it was, um, it was, and that's and that's what we're all about at selling mm-hmm. from the heart because we're waving the flag hard on this. Yeah. But I got to share a funny story if I can because yeah. I haven't even told Daryl this, but it's it's so interesting on changing perception. So I have to admit, and both you guys know, I'm a massive California wine snob. So um, this past week, uh, my wife and I just took some R and R. We went up to the Central Coast of California, and we just got away and disconnected and enjoyed some massively great wine. But it was. Last Saturday night, I, it was cool outside, and we went to this light show up in Central California on these hills and so forth, and I was wearing my Selling from the Heart shirt. And as you know, we had tickets to this light show, and as, as we're getting checked in, because we had these little ticket things, mm-hmm. the guy goes, Selling from the Heart, right? the guy who was checking us in, he goes, what's that all about? And I go, it's a, it's a book I wrote, right? Pony guys in a, you know, real tall, older guy pulled back ponytail and things like that. And he goes, selling from the heart. Tell me what that's all about. And I said, well, I wrote a book on, on the sales profession and authenticity and being real and being genuine and all that. And the guy goes, wait a minute. He goes, that does not even fit with how I perceive salespeople. And then he moved on. And so, and so then the guy really kind of ticked me off a little bit. So I went back and I go, Hey, so what do you mean by that? And he goes, I've never run across a salesperson. AI actually liked, and that I actually trusted. Right. Why
2: would anybody want to become that? Why would anyone want to go into a role where they're hated every single day?
0: Yeah. And, and that's what, and that's what I tell sales, you know, salespeople. I said, Hey, listen, I'm going to keep this thing really simple. We're already behind the eight ball already. Regardless of how great you think you are and all that, that set all of this aside. Mm -hmm. Just being real and being upfront, you're behind the eight ball before you even open your mouth.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I've been doing this video series of interviewing people who are not in sales and seeing what kinds of insights that they can give us. So I've talked to an FBI behavioral analyst that worked for the CIA. I have talked to a Navy SEAL. I've talked to an FBI director for the state of Mississippi. And it's interesting for, like for the, the Robin Drake, actually, he wrote a book called the code of trust, which I highly recommend on this subject, because I think it has such application to sales. And What do you do when people don't trust you? When you immediately open the door, they pick up the phone, and the first thing you have to do is overcome the fact that they're talking to a salesperson. Right. Um, And and the resilience that's required for that, there are, it's not just enough to be trustworthy, but you also have to be able to communicate that you're trustworthy, and you have to be competent in what you're doing to prove continuously that you are. So trust is something that is earned and easily lost, but there's also science behind how we can actually earn trust and, and use that in sales to be able to change the perception of it. Um, and one of the things that I've learned too from all of these, um, Robin Drake actually also wrote a book called It's Not About You, which is kind of where I got the idea for the t-shirt from. But the whole premise of it is, is that Whether it's negotiation or in sales, or you're an FBI trying to interview somebody about a crime that's happened, it all comes down to being able to be in the present moment and be able to observe what's going on with the other person and be able to communicate with them in a way that they understand and show that you care about the things that they care about, whether it's solving a problem or solving a crime. Those are the things that are the foundational parts of building trust. So, product.
0: So then here's a question, and, and it's my favorite question, is why? It's my favorite
2: question. When,
0: so why, why is that, Carol? <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, is why? I mean, it for me, it, it, it sounds so simple, and I, and I always say this stuff's not rocket science because I yeah. grew up with a father who was a rocket scientist for the United States Air Force. So, I mean, that's a whole nother podcast episode because he always <laughs> overcomplicated everything. But why is that... You know, what you just said, why is that so difficult for the sales world to comprehend?
2: Because human nature is to always think about ourselves first. What's the impact on me going to be? You look at how sales processes are designed and they're designed how a company sells their product and the steps they go through. How many sales processes do you see that also include the buyer's process and behaviors that align to the process? It's not, you're trying to impose something on them. Because that's our human nature. We're always looking out for what's in it for me. And so when you take that into account that everyone has this bias, because it's our human nature, it's wired into our brains. If you can then get to the place where you understand what is important to them, then they're going to be more likely to be like, okay, they get me. They understand what's going on in my world. And it's not about their product. It's about my problem. And That's how we can build trust. Like if you think of it, it, even even dating is all an exercise in being able to establish and build trust with someone and then from there develop a relationship. I use a lot of dating metaphors in my coaching, which seems pretty universal because no matter what your gender or orientation or religion or where you're from, everybody is looking for that special someone to spend their life with or spend time with. And it's no different than in sales. We still go through those same kinds of steps and fears of rejection. And what are they going to think of me? And what if I say the wrong thing? And what if they don't like me? It's the same thing. And if we can overcome our own bias to a degree of what's in it for me and focus on the other person that makes it easier to build trust because now we know what's important to talk about we know how to phrase it we know um, when and what timing is the right timing in order to reach back out to them based on what they've shared with you so it's simple things like that that get people to open up a little bit well, yeah,
0: yeah but it, but it's it wow i love what you just said because this is This is my biggest challenge I, and I share with people, I said, "Hey, listen, in your personal life, right, in the personal world that you all live in, if you can do all these things you know that that are around selling from the heart, and you can yeah. bring your genuine real self." To, and I love the dating analogies because in all actuality, it's business dating anyway, when you're out there looking yeah. for new business, then, you know, if we're already conditioned and we already know what it means to bring our heart to our personal relationships, or at least I hope y'all do, then there, there's some disconnect that the minute you leave the house, you turn into somebody who doesn't do all that. And then you got to come home and then you flip the switch on to be this loving, caring person. It, that's too difficult.
2: Yeah. So there's, mm. there's this, this research that I pulled together. That's if it, it was one of those, you ever have those moments where you, you, you're you looking at different things and all of a sudden it comes together and you're looking at it and you're like, Holy crap. This was my Holy crap moment. And it happened. Um, I think it was last year I coached uh Harvard MBA entrepreneurial students on sales, which was a wicked cool wow. experience.
1: That's how fun.
2: It was so fun. And what right. we did was, um, you know, they had a case study and so forth, but they did a, a sort of a video mock interview. And what was fascinating to me is that here are the brightest minds in the world, the world, they'd been given lessons on, on sales and so forth. They'd had all of the information that they needed in front of them. And they had to do a five minute, uh, call with, uh, within this mock interview. And as I'm watching the video come back to me of what I'm going to coach them on what was so interesting to me is, is that I observed them in their natural state, right? Like this is like watching animals in the zoo kind of thing. (laughs) And so, and they're just having this fun conversation. Like we are like going back and forth, you know, what'd you think of so-and-so professor, you know, and talking about like, you know, student life. Then all of a sudden the role play starts and it's like, they put on these masks and they put on these capes and they become totally different people Mm. because what their perception of what a salesperson is 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 then according to the theory of reason and action is your perception is your reality. How you think is how you will perform something because they think salespeople are these pushy, aggressive, fast-talking, make the pitch. Never stop to breathe and ask a question that is related to what the buyer cares about. Mm-hmm. Never do, do any of that. They just roll through the pitch, stop at the end, go into a price negotiation, and that was it. And it was like, they became these totally different people. And I realized at that moment when I was watching these that I'm like, Oh my God, we're creating this perception and we're perpetuating it Mm. because think about it. One generation sees how they sell. They carry it over into their next generation, into the next company and the perception just keeps going and going and going. We've got to stop the cycle because if we don't stop the cycle, then we're going to become obsolete and we're going to be outboughted or whatever the case may be, because we don't have value anymore.
1: <laughs> wow. I mean, that, that is profound. And what a, what a light bulb moment. I know I see it, yeah. it. Of course we can't, I mean, there's not a lot we can do about buyers perception of salespeople overall, but we own that perception ourselves and bring it and perpetuate it. That's, Oh my gosh. So what do you do? What do you tell, what do you advise people do about this?
2: Well, and it's like Larry said at the very beginning about selling from the heart and being your authentic self, whether you're in work or you're out of work. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I love about the work that I do in coaching salespeople and managers is when they come back to me and they say, you know, I hired you because I wanted to reach my personal goals because I wanted to get my team to quota." I did not expect the impact that this would have on my day-to-day personal relationships, not just in the company, but with outside of the company. Like I've had salespeople who've come back to me and sent me their wedding videos because they never had the guts to ask their high school girlfriend to marry them. And their wedding video ended up on the news because the ring popped out of his hand and went over the side of the boat. And here's somebody (laughs) who was scared to jump into anything. And he dives over the side of the boat to get the ring. Like this has changed who they are. Right. And it comes back down to being willing to identify what is it that is personally meaningful and motivating to me as a a human being and how does improving my sales mindset and skills and abilities and willingness to do things impact everything in our lives. Mm -hmm. I often say, it's funny because when I made the transition from marketing into sales in my company and I hired a coach for myself and I started working on my own mindset for sales my kids came to me one day and they said, you don't yell as much as you used to. I was like, it was kind of a gut moment that for me, I was like, whoa, did I really yell a lot before? But it changed. I mean, I, mean, I became a better mom. I became a better wife because I became better at sales. But you're really, it's, it's not just you're getting better at sales, you're getting better at relationships. And that's, that selling from the heart.
0: Yeah. Wow. And and I'm surprised we haven't even brought this up yet. I'm going to bring it up at the end of this thing since, but where's culture and managers fit into this? And here's where I'm going to bring this. In. And we can do a whole nother podcast on this, but it, mm-hmm. it it's so interesting. The conversations that I have with salespeople and they say, Hey, you know what? We love the concepts around selling from the heart. This is who I am, you know, fill in the blanks with, with, with everything. And then the butt comes in, right?
2: Yeah.
0: But it's not what happens inside my company or it's not what my manager wants and so forth. And I think that squashes a lot of it. And they go, well, what do I do? And I said, you know what? Just put on your big girl and big boy pants and say no, right? This is who I am and this is what I believe in and just go about doing it.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, there's a couple of things that culture is, I can't remember who said it first. I think I heard it from Dharma Shar at HubSpot, but culture is like the wind. You can't see it, but you can see the effect that it has. And it can either power an entire village with a windmill, or it can destroy it, depending on how it gets, on how it happens and how it gets used and how strong it is. Mm -hmm. And so for me, if you don't have a culture of excellence, a culture of, coaching a culture of learning then your people are going to leave they're they're not going to perform and your business is probably not going to survive in the in the next 10 to 20 years because of it that's how important culture is yeah. and of course it starts at the top but it's something that culture is like character it's what happens when nobody's really looking and Unfortunately, companies don't think that coaching, uh, coaching culture, and that kind of thing is important. It's just what's the latest tool that we can bring in? What's the latest, you know, and, and greatest sales methodology that we can bring in? What's what are all of these quick fixes without really looking as we need to in order to make real change internally? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, leadership and culture are a huge part of that. I find that what happens is that. I have a lot of individual salespeople that come to me because they are so personally invested in their own growth that they're willing to pay their own way despite what their company does. Mm-hmm. And it's it's both frustrating and it also gives me hope because it's frustrating when I see them come in and one of three things will happen. They'll go through coaching and they'll improve and they'll get better and they'll start to change their skill set and their mindset, but then they regress back into their previous state because the culture and the way that their company is structured doesn't support their continued growth. And so they revert back Mm -hmm. or so that's option one option two is they become a complete pain in the ass to the company because like you said, they say, no, I'm not going to do it that way. It's wrong. It's not the right way. It's not what's best for the customer. And because they become a complete pain in the ass, they either get fired or they go to another company. Mm -hmm. So the company misses out there as well, because now they don't have that top performer anymore anymore or they stay in the company and end up either kind of becoming, I don't know what the word is morose, but they kind of become like a bad sore or something like that, where they start to become so discouraged, that it starts to affect the rest of the group. And either way they end up leaving the company. So either they regress back, they become a pain in the butt or they become a sore spot for everybody else because they're constantly bucking and bucking and bucking. Yeah. That's why having that culture of coaching, having that, it's learning from our mistakes and understanding why they happened. Not that everybody tries to hide from their mistake. It's a a culture of accountability where you're not trying to force accountability on people, but they're actually opting into it because they have a personal reason to do so. That's the difference between I think survival and not just survival, but thriving, not just surviving in the next coming years.
1: Wow. That's so good. Well, Culture is huge. As we uh, get ready to wrap up today's conversation, what are some practical things that just salespeople themselves can do to kind of get shed that perception that, that, that thing inside us and I'm guilty of this and we walk into a situation and this, you know, you, you flip the switch into sales mode. Um, Partially I think it's Mm self-protection. How do we get over that? Like, what are some practical things that you, that you could offer that that would give give our listeners some guidelines to get over that and get started at least?
2: So the very first steps to any kind of behavioral change, which is what we're really talking about here. Right. Because our, our what happens in our head is what happens in our behaviors is what happens with our activities is what happens to our results. Mm-hmm. And so to start to change the way that we think to impact the way that we behave, we have to figure out what's really in it for us. Like I know at the beginning we talked about, it's not about you and what you want, but in this instance, it is all about what you really want. Mm -hmm. This is where you dig into, why am I doing this? Why is this so important to me? What are the things that I want my life or my family's life and my friend's life to look like in the next year or two years or three years? And digging into that reason why what your personally meaningful reason for change is, is the very first step. Um, so you can call it a goal setting exercise. There's actually studies that have been done that show those people who actually not just think about their goals, but write them down, create action plans for them, write commitments to those, share it with other people and make regular reports to them are the ones that are most likely to reach those goals. So the very first thing that salespeople can do is get in tune with why they're doing what they're doing. And it's guess what? Not your quota. Like your quota is about (laughs) as motivating as getting up in the morning and saying, I can't wait to pay my taxes and my student loans. Like, (laughs) No. It's not a motivating thing. It's what you got to do to keep your job or stay out of jail. And so w- why are you doing It, <laughs> um, it seems so simple, right? Like, but it's the thing that we just skip over. We get up in the day and we take whatever happens to us and, and we kind of just react to it. Rather than reacting to what's happening to you, be proactive about it. And it starts in your own head, starts with what your goals are. And then the very next step in behavioral change is developing self-awareness. Mm. And so there's lots of techniques and tactics for that. I actually do uh, like an objective evaluation of the salespeople that I work with as an exercise in not only getting data behind what's going on in their beliefs and how it's impacting their behaviors, but also for them to become more aware of how their beliefs are impacting their behaviors. Mm. And so going through uh, a kind of a a self-discovery process like that that's objective and data-based and based in science and not just some fluffy, you know, Facebook, which Star Wars character are you kind of thing. Right. But actually getting into the, the sales of it is absolutely key. And then determining for yourself, what are the things that you need to work on both mentally and skill-wise to get you to your meaningful goal? Because that's the thing that's going to get you to overcome those fears. Psychologists call it cognitive dissonance where here's your reality and here's your perception of your reality. And here's the actual reality, which creates mental stress for us. So when we see, all right, maybe the numbers aren't coming in the way that you want them to, or maybe you're not where you want to be in your life right now, and you get information that contradicts where that you think you're doing great, it causes us mental stress. And if you have a personally meaningful goal, that will cause you to do things that you might not have done before because you're motivated to do it. It's almost like I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. I'm going to do whatever it takes to fix this thing so that I can get to where I want to be for me and my family. And that's something that you can do as an individual salesperson. And that's actually what I'm writing the book about is how can individual salespeople do this? How can companies set up cultures to help their salespeople to do this? That's what's going to change the perception.
1: That is going to be so valuable, Carol. I can't wait for that book to come out. Me too. (laughs) No, you can't. (laughs) Oh, my. And I'm sure we'll see that sometime in the not-too-distant future. That's really exciting. It's
2: like late this year, early next year, release is the plan.
1: All right. So cool. Well, hey, thank you for joining us. What I mean, I'm... You've, you've got me now all, I mean, I have so many conversation threads internally going on with myself. You've created <laughs> cognitive dissonance. Thank you so much. You're uh, well, you're a scaredy cat. Oh, you're always a scaredy cat. So that's all. <laughs> Whatever. Which <laughs> usually at the end I ask, do you have any other final words of wisdom? But I really, and now a burning desire to know what star Wars character are you most like? <laughs> <laughs>
2: Well, which one do you think I'm most like?
1: (laughs) I'm not that much of a nerd. (laughs) No, that's that's wonderful. But as we end, um, first of all, sincere thank you from all of us, because I know this is going to be extremely valuable uh, to our friends in the Selling from the Heart community. Any final words of wisdom or any any, uh, parting encouragement you'd like to leave with this great group of sales professionals?
2: Everybody's afraid of something. Everybody is afraid of something. And the way you overcome the fear is by taking small pieces every day that you can do that. Like we were talking before about how I'm a hiker afraid of heights. Mm. I'm not going to hike Mount Everest. I'm not going to walk across a 15 foot ledge to thousands of places down, but I will crawl up a waterfall in my effort to get over my fear. And we can find something that we're afraid of and do one thing every day that we're afraid of just a little bit to get us to be willing to take on bigger and bigger things.
1: Well, that's fantastic. I love it. Um, Thanks for joining us, Carol. This is really good. We appreciate your kindred spirit of selling from the heart. Love what you're doing. Um, To everybody, thanks for joining us. Uh, Keep being genuine. Keep being authentic. Keep doing the hard work. Overcome some fears. And most of all, sell from the heart.